Welcome to episode 285 of Crack the Customer Code, where the customers make all the rules. You know, Jamie, the last time we were together without a guest, we talked about cliches. We did. We did. I want to throw out something else called buzzwords. Things like full disclosure or transparency. Oh, see, they shouldn't be buzzwords because they should be meaningful. But from your tone, (laughs) I'm guessing that you think they're just buzzwords at this point. You mean like love? (laughs) (laughs) Wow. Doesn't mean so it doesn't mean it doesn't mean anything, but it means different things to different people. And when we talk about transparency, when we talk about full disclosure, one of the interesting things that's come up in the news lately, and this is based on the Equifax situation, which we'll explain in a second, is when do you disclose you know, something bad that happens, a data breach in this mm-hmm. case, or something that may affect customers' accounts, or that may affect customers in any way. And when is uh, when does transparency kick in? When is full disclosure necessary? And what what should be the basis for making those judgments? Because in a lot of cases, companies don't disclose, but they don't do it for the customer. They uh, seem to do it for their own butts. Yes. <laughs> CYA, right? Yeah. Um, so let's uh, do a little background on the Equifax, which I think most people are familiar with. And then let's talk about it more generally, which is, you know, what are the criteria? What do you think we should do and companies mm-hmm. should do when they have a situation? Uh, yeah. So Equifax, you know about that biggest uh, data breach in history, I believe, 140 mm-hmm. million accounts potentially affected. Unfortunately, they are a credit bureau. So the breach is serious because they have all of the information you need (laughs) to uh, (laughs) wreck somebody and to impersonate them and so forth and so on. Uh, But this happened, it came out in what, September, I believe here. And um, they, uh, it happened like back in May. Yeah. Yeah. And I think that's the part that people have been reacting to um, is that they did sit on this for a while. And why did they sit on it? And then why did they ultimately release the information? Well, yeah, that's a good question. We don't know their motives. There hasn't been enough reporting on it there. Mm -hmm. So let's maybe talk about more generally. I mean, first of all, that many months, I think, is uh, pretty clearly, (laughs) um, (laughs) you know, perhaps there was something besides the customer's best interest in mind. Yes. Because so the question is, let's say something like this happens. You know, some people say, well, you need Mm -hmm. to let us know immediately. Well, that may not be the best thing. Right. Because, one, you may want to scale up your staff to be able to answer questions. You may want to train your staff to be able to answer questions. If there's not an imminent threat to the customer that's going to happen, you know, so so much more in a few hours than they would in a few days, then maybe, you know, it's better to control the crisis a little bit for the customer's sake. Right. Well, I mean, if you apply it to a different scenario, if you're in a crowded movie theater, right, and the popcorn gets a little burned, you don't want them to start yelling fire. (laughs) (laughs) And I think that there are some situations where they're trying to figure out how bad is this? How big is this? What do we need to do about it? What are the what's the real crisis that we're dealing with? Because, you know, you don't want to start telling people your credit's all screwed up. And there's been this big breach if it only affected 20 customers that you can call directly. So you do have to think about scale with these issues, too, and how broad it is and how big it is. 
Right. And also there's a, um, you know, when do you go forward with partial information? So in this case, let's say, and I'm going to make it a hypothetical because I'm not sure about this much detail on this case. But if you're investigating a data breach in general, you know, that's a forensic activity. Mm-hmm. You're having to basically go through records. You're trying to fit. You've got experts coming in, figuring out what did they actually get to. And really clever hackers know how to cover their tracks. So it's a, you know, it can be a big, timely process. Mm-hmm. So do you let the customers know, hey, you may have been compromised? Right. And when do you do that? I mean, it gets really sticky. And I think where I come down on it, even though it's uh, sort of very general and almost useless, but is, <laughs> <laughs> I mean, it, as a guiding principle, it's not. It doesn't tell you what to do. But if you're doing, if you're withholding the information for you and not for the customer, then yep. you're probably doing the wrong thing. Well, and I think it, I, it is a little bit of a gut check. Are you... Are you scared to release the information because of bad press, because of a dip in value, because of all the risk that's involved with it for your company? Or are you scared because you know that this has affected millions of people and you need to get the information out? I mean, on the flip side of this, we you also have to consider exactly what you were talking about, like how will you deal with this proactively moving forward? Because that's going to be one of the questions that customers have. What are you doing about this so it doesn't happen again? And even if you're not prepared for that, you have to know that you're going to say something like, we're working on it. (laughs) Because people want that reassurance that if they trusted your brand, they want to know that something like this won't happen again. Um, So that's part of the equation as well, is what are you going to say to moving forward with these customers that have been affected? And the other issue is when something happens on a small level or an individual level, do you need to go broad with it? Does mm-hmm. it cause more problems, you know, more harm than good? And are you are you obligated to tell every customer if one customer has an issue, but it really is unlikely to affect other customers? Yeah. And I, I've witnessed this on the uh, financial services side where sometimes things look like it's only happening regionally. So that's how they deal with it. And then they start realizing, oh, no, it was just like it was a mistake or, or rollout or something that went wrong. And it just started with this one place, but it's continuing on. So then they look like they were were withholding information when really they just thought it was a contained situation. Um, the world is really complex and complicated now. And to keep up with all of that, it is really challenging. And I think some of the brands that are going to do this right will be more transparent about when they don't know everything, but they know that they're working on it. I think that is going to be more common and more forgiven moving forward because we're used to it as consumers now. We know this stuff can happen. We know that it is complex and complicated. So I I think there's a little more grace in there than there used to be. Um, If honesty is brought out earlier rather than later. Yeah, I would agree. Well, I would agree mostly. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I, I, I hesitate to say in our uh, current social media climate that there's more grace uh, extended right. to companies <laughs> than prior. Point. <laughs> I, I, I acquiesce to that. That's a good point. <laughs> yeah, I'm not sure about that one. But I know what you're saying. And I would say, you know, it can get really uh, co- complex because honestly, consumers think they're entitled to a lot of stuff that I personally, as a business owner, don't think they're entitled to. I don't think they're entitled to know every time there's a customer issue that's not global in scope. Right. Right. Or that doesn't have the potential to affect them. 
you know, if you sell ping pong balls, I'm going to make up the weirdest example ever here. <laughs> but if you sell ping pong balls and one of your customers tried to shoot one through a shotgun mm-hmm. <laughs> and, you know, it fractured and then somebody got hit with it, do you need to disclose to all your customers <laughs> that you shouldn't try to shoot the ping pong ball through the shotgun? Wow. You know, no. Is, is this a real life example? Is this something from your past? <laughs> this is, uh, you, know, you know what part of the country I'm from. It's took a lot of things in shotguns down here. But um, <laughs> no, I was just being as random as possible. But you know what I mean? I mean, somebody misuses your product. Right. Right. I mean, you've already, we've already got like nothing can be in plastic without a, a choking warning, right? Yeah. Or a suffocation yeah. warning. I mean, yeah, there's a lot of stuff like that out there, but there's a place where you have to draw a line where it's just, okay, this was a Darwin award. This is not a product right. defect. Right. Right. <laughs> right. And I think in something like that, that's almost like, I don't know, that's almost like a disclaimer that you're talking about. And I would say that in a way, if, if something is egregiously wrong and you know that as a company, you do need to figure out what's your criteria around this sort of crisis communication and what steps are we going to take to ensure either that it is a contained issue with one or 10 customers or a state or whatever versus we need to tell everybody about this. I think our point today is really just encouraging you to sit down and think about that before it happens because – Lord knows, in the middle of a crisis is not necessarily when you're thinking straight. (laughs) And also, um, if you don't have those protocols in place or even written down anywhere, then everybody's running around with a, you know, like a the proverbial chicken without a head. Yeah, and I think the to use your phrase, you know, that you used earlier, gut check. I think the gut Mm -hmm. check is when you're in the middle of the crisis, going, okay, are we doing this for the customer, Mm -hmm. or are we doing this for us? It's a it's a very important and valid question that is often shockingly overlooked. <laughs> hopefully, hopefully the answer is both. <laughs> but when they're, yeah. at, when they're at odds is when you got to make some decisions. Right, right. All right. Well, I feel like I need to go sit down and do a crisis communications plan now. <laughs> <laughs> sure. Please, uh, just leave my name and number out of it. That's all I'm going to ask you. <laughs> yeah, just call Adam for anything. That's my <laughs> crisis communication. <laughs> <laughs> You're welcome. Oh, but thank you guys so much for being here with us. We hope that you, you know, take this moving forward and are able to improve your customer's experience. So thanks for listening to Crack the Customer Code is what we call it. Crack the Customer Code, a proud (laughs) member of the C-Suite Radio family. If you like C-Suite Radio, then check out C-Suite TV and watch in-depth interviews with business content for C-Suite leaders and entrepreneurs. It's all on demand at csuitetv.com. I'm Jeannie Walters, and you can find lots of customer experience resources like blogs, webinars, and more at 360connects.com. And I'm Adam Tapork, and you can learn more about me and our customer service workshops and training at customersatstick.com. Until next time, take care of yourself. And take care of your customers.
This podcast is a part of the C-Suite Radio Network. For more top business podcasts, visit c-suiteradio.com. <laughs>